does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Jake, our next guest certainly resonates in this part of the country, Big Ten country that is, both Indiana and Purdue in action tonight. So a whole lot we can get to with Bruce Weber on that front. But, you know, when I first came across this a few weeks ago, um, I was listening to Tyrese Halliburton on a podcast, and all of a sudden out of the blue he mentions Bruce Weber's name, and it was – I first didn't make the connection of like, wait a minute, Bruce Weber was kind of a rival coach to him in college, right? I mean, Kansas State, Iowa State, like – it's not like he coached him in college, but then Halliburton mentioned how he was the U-19 coach for the U.S. team in 2019, and, and he was kind of shocked to make that team with a ton of NBA talent and really credited Bruce Weber for you know, kind of showing him that he could be something on a national, international stage. So to get more into that, and again, talk some Big Ten Purdue hoops, of course, Bruce Weber joins us now. Coach, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We are doing great. Thank you for the time on this Thursday morning. And let's start there. Um, 2019, you coached the USU-19 team. You are littered with NBA talent. But Tyrese Halliburton, you could argue, I think, was probably one of your more important players. Why did you select Tyrese? And I guess what did you see at Iowa State that made you thought think that he could play with these future lottery picks? To be honest, he might have been our MVP. It was it was really probably close between him and Reggie Perry uh, for the tournament. And, you know, just a young man that just won, as you probably got to know him and, and watch him, he just plays the game with such great energy. He loves the game. He's such a good teammate, uh, just a leader. And, you know, we played against him when he was a freshman, and, he didn't score much. He didn't shoot much. But when he shot, he, he usually made it. But his assist turnover ratio was just astronomical. If, if, and I could be wrong, but it was something like 10 to 1, 8 to 1 or something. And he just took care of the ball, and he had great size. And, you know, I, I called his coach, Steve, and, and said, hey, I, I think he'd be a nice, you know, position player for us. Uh, you know, I hope he comes to the tryouts. He got there, and uh, he just—he surprised everyone, to be honest. And and he just got better and better as the tournament went on. Just watching his maturation over that month uh, was kind of amazing. And and it just the next year, what a difference as a player. That that experience playing uh, with that talent, you know, uh, playing against the international talent. It just gave him so much confidence, uh, you know, for that upcoming season. And, and until he got hurt, he he was definitely one of the better players in the country. And then obviously, a, you know, a draft choice. And, and now just had a, you know, spectacular NBA year. And almost, uh, I don't know, an NBA all-star year for you guys with the Pacers. Yeah, undoubtedly. You kind of touched on it a little bit there, but I was hoping you could expand. You know, when Halliburton made these comments, I'm thinking, oh, he must have gone off for like 20 against Kansas State as a freshman. I looked up. He played you guys three times, zero points, four points, and six points. So, like, I guess what was it about whether Steve Prom when you talked to him or just how he played the game, I guess, that made you think, you know, even though he didn't have these huge games against us, we feel like with Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, he can fit in perfectly. Yeah, just that again. His his leadership, his 
feel for the game, uh, his passing instincts, uh, you know, just, you know, I think that was the thing that really, you know, and then when he got to the camp and this was in, you know, we had some players, not only uh, players that, you know, you know, Evan Mobley, the guys you mentioned, all those guys, uh, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, uh, but the, the guys we cut were really, really good players. Hunter Dickinson and, uh, you know, I it just go on and on. The list was amazing. The, the, it was one of the better tryouts that I was ever involved with with USA Basketball. But he definitely set himself ahead of everyone just because he understood the game. Those other guys were so young. Um, and they had won international competition. But it, it, it's such a difference, a big jump, because now you start playing against the pros and older players at that 19 and under. And the knowing how to prep at the college level, understanding what different ball screen coverages are and all those things, he was just a good leader for us. I remember him and Isaac Likelay, who was playing at Ohio State, they would grab me and, and Mike Hopkins was the assistant. The young guys weren't paying attention. They'd tell us we'd take care of them. they put our arm around, don't get mad, coach, we'll be okay. And uh, <laughs> just, just good leaders uh, for us and, and helped us win the gold. It was – we actually – you know, we, we, I think it was the biggest winning margin ever in U19. Um, you know, our, our, our winning margin for all the games, the only one that was maybe a little close was uh, the championship. And then we kind of expanded that thing as the game went on. Bruce Weber, who has been a conference coach of the year in three different conferences in college basketball, joins us on the Payless Liquors hotline here this morning. Coach, I'm, I'm going to get a little bit Freudian here, but you have always been, and listen, I get it. I'm sure you have days where you're stressed or you have bad days or things aren't going your way, but it never really shows. You're always like this upbeat. I mean, it's 7.38 in the morning and you're upbeat, you're awake, you're, you have a smile in your voice. Tyrese Halliburton, to me, from the outside watching it, seems to play basketball that way. He seems to always be enjoying it. He seems to not get too down on a turnover or a bad play, and that seemingly lifts the others around him. A, is that an accurate assessment of his game? And B, did you having a similar mindset each day allow you, younger in his career, to recognize his benefit in that? Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I think that's a great way of – he just loves the game. He appreciates the game. I still remember he, his uh, coach Steve kept calling me. Is he going to make it? He's going to make it. I said, yeah, he's one of the better players. Don't worry. Well, his mom and his, his aunt wanted to buy tickets to come to, to Greece, which was uh, to play a tournament in Creek, Greece. was a pretty nice thing for, for myself and our staff and our players. Unbelievable experience. But, you know, and he just, you know, he was a two-star recruit. Oshkosh, Wisconsin, um, you know, you know, just he was just so happy to be there. And right now, just you watch him play in the NBA. He's just happy every day to be part of it. And and he and he competes and he brings he just lifts everybody up with that energy and, and you know, feel for the game. Have you seen coach I mean, you've coached a long time. You've you've coached some great players over the course of your career, whether it be Purdue, you know, Ill, I mean obviously Southern Illinois, Illinois, Kansas State. Once, guys, the thing to me that I think is going to be interesting about Halliburton, and I want you to talk me off of this ledge, sometimes you never know once guys become the straw that mixes the drink exactly how they're going to respond to it and whether or not they don't outgrow 
the things that allowed them to be put in that position in the first place. Is there that possibility? Do guys change once the game comes to them? Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Um, are you saying in a bad way? or, or Yeah, well, we've seen, you know, just for example, and, and they're wonderful players, don't get me wrong, but like in, in Indiana, I think Pacers fans have like a PTSD over Paul George becoming a star before our very eyes and just kind of getting a little bit overwhelmed by that and outgrowing his brand, so to speak, a little bit with Oladipo as well. And I think people have hesitation to fully invest in on Tyrese Halliburton because it's like, wait a minute, he's becoming a star right here before our very eyes. Is lightning going to strike a third time on us? Yeah, and and I, that's what I thought you were going toward. And I would tell you, I would be shocked if he changed, just knowing him, knowing his background, knowing his family, uh, his dad, I think, think still referees game, um, you know, summer basketball, things like that. Uh, I remember they, uh, he, my brother's a high school coach up in Wisconsin and, and knew his dad and, and, you know, we, they, they FaceTime with me after one of the games and the dad had just refereed a game. And, and, you know, I just don't see the, his roots are so you know, appreciative, the gratitude part. I, I, I'd be honest, I'll be shocked if he would change. And, you know, and, and I and I know what you're saying. I've experienced it. I've watched, you know, Darren Williams and, and been around guys like that. And, you know, it's hard not to change. And But, uh, you know, in, in his case, I think he's going to keep that happy, bubbly feeling and keep playing the way he does because that's what makes him special, to be honest. His dad is quite the character. I was fortunate to hang out with the family a few times, and they are uh, they are a great bunch. Again, Bruce Weber with us, longtime college basketball coach. You now see him on Big Ten Network, National Coach of the Year um, in his history, and obviously a ton of time in West Lafayette. Coach, I was listening to Matt Painter the other day, and he mentioned that he feels like he's simply implementing the blueprint that he learned under Gene Cady. When you watch Purdue and have watched him under Matt Painter, what is that blueprint? And if any, what ways do you see Matt Painter doing things maybe differently than what Gene did? Well, you know, I, obviously Matt was my assistant. I, re, I coached him. I recruited him. Um, and, you know, he's just uh, – I, I knew from when he was a player, you know, just coming in the office, hanging out, uh, that he was going to be a good coach. Uh, you know, he – I, I helped him get his first job with uh, Tom Ryder. Was one of our other assistants. Went to a D three, uh, Washington and Jefferson, and you know he drove the. I'm sure you've heard the story. Drove a, a forklift at the Coke uh, plant in the morning, and then helped out and coached. And you know it just kind of showed you how much he loved the the game and he wanted to coach. But you know he's just a really smart basketball coach, and he understands the way coach Katie won and, and the way we all had success or tried to that you get good quality kids that want to play college basketball. They want to be at Purdue. Uh, they want to get better. And, you know, I think that's so important to him and he's been able to establish that brand and, and have success and continue to have success. And that's why he's got those guys. They, they really want to be at Purdue they want to play for him. They listen. They're coachable. I've been to practice several times this year, and and he demands of us without uh, probably the fieriness that Coach Katie had, um, and you know. But yet he's still demanding, and and we talk quite a bit. And I and I've told him that 
you know, one of the things I'm afraid for some of the young coaches now that they're afraid to demand things out of the players uh, because of all the portal and NLI and all that stuff. But, you know, Matt coaches them. He still coaches them. He makes them do details. And I think the one other different thing with him is he's he, he, Matt and Kevin Stallings are two of the smartest offensive coaches that I've ever been around. And, um, you know, he just, he, he understands the game. He, he studies the game and he's, he's made, you know, different than coach Katie, obviously that tough defensive brand, you know, and, and they're produced good defensively this year, but Matt's offensive intelligence is, is at another level. Coach, I was just talking the other day, Bruce Weber's our guest. We were just talking the other day. It was Glenn Robinson's 50th birthday. I'm the same class in high school as Glenn, 1991. You were at Purdue as an assistant at the time. And that was a golden era, really, for high school basketball in the area. I mean, Montross and Bailey were a year ahead of me. The Grams were two years ahead of me, Leary. And then you had, obviously, Alan Henderson and Glenn in, in my class, Damon Bethea. I mean, there were a lot of great players. But that was to your point, we had Hoop Scoop Magazine and Off the Glass. Those were like the two things where you could read about recruits. We didn't have the internet and rivals and all of those things. So Glenn Robinson was like this mythical figure. He was like this urban legend, this kid in Gary, just wait until he comes downstate and you see him playing, and boy, did he ever, right? What was it like recruiting back then versus recruiting now for, for coaches just how much have things changed, and have we almost given too much power now to the player as opposed to the coach? Well, you know, the recruiting then was amazing, and you talk about a golden era, the going to the wigwam sold out, you know, Mackey Arena watching Glenn playing us in semi-state or whatever, you know, 12,000 people, What you know, just I tell people the all-star games, um, you know, sell-out crowds in, in – you know, in the Pacers arena or down in the, in, in Louisville or, or in Lexington. So it was such a special time uh, for basketball in Indiana. There's no doubt, um, you know, and, and to have, you know, to watch those young guys and watch them grow and watch Glenn grow as a player was really special. But the other part, I'd laugh when you bring up Hoop Scoop magazine, the recruiting, that was my, one of my major tools and Matt Payne would come in the office and steal it. And Coach Katie would ask me about young players, and I said, "Well, Matt took my hoop scoop. So I'm going to recruit." So, um, but it, it, you know, it was different. And you know, Coach Katie always worried about change. Um, the game, it, it evolves. Um, my dad worried about change. You know, that's just part of life. And I, you know, I think the game's still good. I, I do worry about the NIL if it's sustainable. Uh, I worry about. You know, some of the implications around it, I think everyone does that, you know, all the coaches that have been involved, I think even the young, the young coaches that I talk to are worried about it. So, you know, it'll be interesting how this whole thing evolves over the next few years. But I, I don't know if that NIL is sustainable. And, and again, I'm not against paying the players. I, I think there's been a lot of progress with, you know, get, giving the players more things. Um, you know, my players between cost of attendance and uh, their scholarship checks and all the other little things in the food. I mean, they were making twenty, twenty-five thousand before NIL, and and they were doing fine, you know. And and you know, I think sometimes national media, um, 
you know, made it like we were just abusing these guys. And I was like, come to our place, man. And I still remember, and we talked about this other night in the Big Ten studio, um, the player from UConn said that he went to bed hungry. I promise you, none of our guys at Purdue went to bed hungry. None of our guys at Illinois, at Southern Illinois, even I, you know, we those guys were well-fed and well-taken care of. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's a, you know, it, it, times have changed, and, and you, you know, that's part of Coach Katie. One of his big things, he always told us, you want to stay in the business, you've got to be flexible and you've got to change with the times. And that's why he stayed in the business, and that's why Matt's been so successful. Is the league – is basketball different from one league to the next? I know that at its core, Bruce Weber, that basketball is the same game. But, like, for example, when the Big Ten gets – when Big Ten teams get into the tournament, is it a different style of play that wins between January and March in the Big Ten than what you need to play, say, in the Big 12 – and does that give any one league an advantage over the others once they're all thrown into a tournament? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that there is a difference. Um, and I think, and, and I don't know why, uh, but our guard play that I experienced in the Big 12 um, in the last stretch is just, it's, it's different. The, the athleticism, the two guard, we had a lot of two guards, the small ball, and I, and I really believe uh, once you get into the tournament, I think that's been the success. Obviously, Kansas, Baylor, uh, other other Texas Tech a few years ago, our, even my team, K-State, we went to the, the Elite Eight not long ago. And, um, you know, I think, you know, that's the difference. And it's uh, I, I worry a little bit for the Big Ten as we get into the, you know, into March again. For this year, if you have the guard play that, can control games in those close games and make the plays that matter. Coach, we'll end with this and really appreciate your time. Again, Big Ten Studios, Bruce Weber mentioned where you can find him right now. Purdue, uh, what they've done this season kind of speaks for itself. They appear to be the Big Ten favorite as we approach the midway point of the Big Ten schedule. You see anybody challenging them the rest of the way in the Big Ten? Pardon me, I lost you there for a second. Yeah, you see anybody challenging Purdue atop the Big Ten here as we get into the second half of the Big Ten slate? You know, it. I, I think they're the best team, that, and, and I say team. Obviously, they have the best player. Uh, Zach is unbelievable, and, and his improvement is amazing. So much credit to Matt and his staff. Um, but I, a lot of things can happen, and they had a, a, they're going to have one other bad stretch, I, I think. I mean, all teams go through it. They are young. I worry about the, the their the young guards wearing down, even though they seem to have that special toughness and that they have that special Indiana feel for the game. There's no doubt the the fundamentals and that, that I'm sure you've watched through the years. Um, but I, you know they're going to have a couple setbacks. But I think there's going to be a lot of losses in the league. The balance is just amazing. Um, you know, from one one through probably through twelve, eleven, it's it's going to be hard every night. So you know, I think they're going to be, uh, you know, the team to beat. There's no doubt. But, you know, they'll have a little setbacks. And, you know, somebody may get hot here and have a nice stretch run. And I really worry about injuries, um, you know, being a big, you know, factor. It's already been a factor for Michigan State. I think if they were healthy, I thought they could maybe push uh, Purdue a little bit. I think Illinois, if they can stay together as a group, they could push 
uh, Purdue a little bit, and because of their style and their, they got some you know pretty good guard play, and those young guys have developed. So, what about Indiana? Uh, I, I, you know, it's it's they. It would be nice to get healthy again. I don't think I don't know what Xavier Johnson's situation is. I think they need him just because of the guard play, and uh, and they, you know, I thought they competed, and you know, Coach Woodson said a week ago. They needed to play a lot harder, and they needed to compete, and I thought they did that against Wisconsin. And it'll be interesting here the next few games how they continue to make progress on that defensive end. Okay, last thing from me, Coach, and we'll let you go. I've got to ask this, though, because this would drive me bonkers. You've got an impressive and incredible resume, Bruce Weber. You've had energy. You've had success. You've been well-liked. You're sitting on 497 wins. Like, it would drive me crazy every night where I'd think to myself and be so tempted to go somewhere for three games, get three wins, and sayonara, and get to 500. Does that drive you nuts? I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I didn't even know it was 497. Uh-huh. Now, yeah, see, now you went back, don't you? Well, three that, games. That describes your lack of ego and my co-host's ego with that. I, you know, I, I love coaching. Um, if I could, you know, if the right situation came up, um, I got, you know, for my wife, my grandkids, I would coach again. And because uh, I just love it. I, I miss I, the one thing the Big Ten Networks helped me stay involved with just going to practice and being around staff, sitting with Matt and his staff. And, well, you know, Tom Mizzo, I sat with him a couple weeks ago when I did their game for two, three hours and just hung out. And, you know, that's what I miss, that that camaraderie and all that. So, uh but, you know, and I guess to answer your question, I would coach again, but it's got to be the right thing, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, I've been very, very fortunate. You know, 18 years at Purdue was just amazing, and um, I thought I'd stay there forever. It didn't work out. I got other unbelievable opportunities, and, you know, if that's in my plan, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I uh, love it and so fortunate and blessed to be part of college basketball, especially in the golden era that you talked about. Well, we're certainly lucky to have you. We're lucky to have you on the show this morning. Can't thank you enough, Coach, for the time. And uh, we'll be watching you on Big Ten Network and hopefully see you on the sideline here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.